have your Bibles this morning. I just want to draw a couple of thoughts from this passage of Scripture for all of us. Uh, these thoughts would be uh, something that everybody in this room could learn from. Uh, in the Old Testament, there's, let me just sort of bring you up to speed about this story here. Number one, uh, if you'll notice in 2 Kings chapter 6, <clears throat> Ben-Hadad is a, <clears throat> is a Syrian king. And uh, during this day and age, uh, these kings would, uh, would raid other uh, countries that weren't very well protected. And so around Jerusalem, they'd build a big wall. <clears throat> and if you remember, Jericho had a wall around it. Uh, that was two chariots thick, uh, and it was considered to be impregnable. You couldn't take the city, and only, uh, only God could help them take that city. Well, here, this uh, is an area called Samaria. It's a part of Israel, but not really, kind of a separated area. Um, and, and so, uh, in, in the Israel proper, Elisha is the prophet. And Ben-Hadad decides to raid into Israel, and he's going to try to take Israel over. And the Holy Spirit would tell Elisha where Ben-Hadad's camp was going to be and where they were going to attack. So he would quickly tell the king of Israel, and the king of Israel would move their troops there, and they're always ready. And so Ben-Hadad said, you know, somebody, there's a spy in the camp. I don't understand how he can know everything we're doing. And I, the Bible doesn't exactly say how, but one of his men said, look, uh, O king, there's not a spy in the camp, but you know there's a God in Israel that protects his people. And he has told a prophet in Israel all your plans. Really? Well, where does that guy live? He said he's in Dothan. He said, well, I want you to go get him. Now, I don't know about you, but anytime God's protecting something, I don't be the one trying to take it away from the Lord. And so he sends his armies there, and they uh, go, and you'll notice if you would in chapter 6, you don't have to read it now, but uh, maybe you read it this afternoon. Uh, he sends his armies, and they surround the house uh, and the city of Dothan. And so Elisha is there, and he's not the least bit worried. And one of the things I want us to learn from this lesson is that there's no worry to a Christian when you're in the Lord's will and the Lord's with you. We all face difficulties. We all face troubles. You're not going to get away from that because the Lord uses those difficulties and troubles to work in our lives and the lives of those around us to see how we handle them. And so understand uh, Elisha is there, and uh, you'll notice that in chapter 6, uh, he's got a servant, and his servant gets up in the morning, goes out and gets the, uh, the water from the well, comes back in, looks around, and he says, uh-oh, we're in trouble. And he sees all around the cities these chariots and soldiers just waiting for Elisha to come out of his house. And so he goes running into a, Elisha, 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 we're in trouble. He said, we're surrounded by soldiers. and said, what do we do? And he says, we're okay. And I want you to understand today, when you're in the Lord's will, 
and you're God's child, you're always okay if you're trusted. Now, we have to learn that lesson. It's a hard lesson to learn. When we see trouble, the trouble is bigger than our God, and that happens most of the time for all of us. And it doesn't matter what it is. If it's a bill and uh, we don't know how we're going to pay the bill, maybe it's a big hospital bill, we don't know how we're going to pay it. Oh, woe is me. I don't know what's going to happen. And the Lord's not short on money. And we have a health issue. The Lord's not short on healing. Now, he may have a plan that allows us to have, a, have some difficulties, but allows us to grow through it. No good teacher teaches their children without giving them a test. So this is what they've learned. How many of you loved tests? Raise your hand. I see one person. And I think he's mentally off, I think. No, I'm kidding. Wait, I'm kidding about Steve. But Steve's back there. Um, uh, you know, if you know the answers, you don't mind the test. But when you're not sure what the questions are going to be, and, and so most of the time we look at tests and say, oh, I don't want to go through a test. I, I, I don't want that. And the Lord says, I'll help you. Well, here's Elisha. And he gets up in the morning, and I'm certain he got his morning coffee, and he's just relaxing, and, and his servant comes running in and said, what are we going to do? We're surrounded. And he paused, and he says, look, he says, we're okay. He said, the Lord's always going to take care of us. And he said, and he, and he bowed his head, and he said, Father, would you let him see that there's more with us than are with him? Now, I want you to notice something this morning. We studied it in Sunday school this morning a little bit. Does anybody know what angels are for? They're, somebody was listening in Sunday school this morning. Thank you, Brother Jerry. They're ministering spirits. Hebrews chapter 1, and you'll notice that God gives the angels charge of us. In Psalm 91, he says, I'll dispatch angels to take care of you. If you'll trust me. If you'll set your love upon me, you'll trust me. I'll protect you. Now, we looked at the story of the three Hebrew children. I'm certain there was great fear when they were about ready to be thrown in the lion's den, I mean, thrown into the fiery furnace. Uh, and yet, they were thrown in the fiery furnace, and I'm sure they got up and realized they weren't hurting. They got up and realized there's Jesus right there with us. Now, he doesn't always do that, but he always can. And we need to learn to believe that he has our best interest at heart. That's one of the lessons this morning. He always has our best interest at heart. And so when we're ready to take a test, uh, we don't think the teacher's got our best interest at heart. How many of you ever heard of a pop quiz? I didn't like the teachers that gave pop quizzes. I like to be prepared. Well, God gives pop quizzes. He wants to make sure you're willing to trust him. But he's always there. So Elijah says, Lord, would you open his eyes? And he looks up and he sees the heavens filled with angels. Just like God promises. I'll send my angels, Psalm 91. And so this morning, 
uh, that illustration is the backdrop between now all of a sudden Ben-Hadad has come back, but he's come back to a different place uh, that's not Israel proper, Samaria, and he surrounds the city, and uh, he's going to take it. He's going to leave Israel alone because he didn't see those angels, but he saw one thing, uh, that, that Elisha had power with the God of heaven. I'm not going to touch that guy. So he left him alone, but he went to Samaria. He surrounded the city, and the way they would do it is they would put uh, banks up around the city, take dirt piles, build it up, and seal the city off so that one day they would run out of water, one day they would run out of food, and then they'd have to come out and surrender. Well, it's almost to that time. And the Bible says a donkey's head is selling for 80 pieces of silver. They didn't have any money. They become cannibals. They're, it's, it's horrible. And they've forgotten what God had done for Elisha just the year before. Have you ever wondered why Jesus fed the 5,000 and had to come back in and feed the 4,000? They didn't learn the lesson that he fed the 5,000. And then he had to feed the 4,000. And he looks up and says, don't you remember how many basketfuls we had over when we fed the 5,000? Oh, yeah, I forgot. We forget the power of our God. And so whenever you're facing a test, remember the power of our God. Well, here this whole group here, now keep in mind, they're starving to death, but, but they didn't realize that God is said, it's a test. Elisha said, tomorrow about this time, the king's so upset, he's going to go take Elisha's head off. Elisha's preaching this great God, and he's not helping us, and so I'm going to go kill him. So he sends people to go get Elisha, and Elisha says, well, look, they're at the, they're at the door of my house to come to kill me, but I'm going to tell you this, tomorrow about this time, a little bit of flour is going to sell for almost nothing. And so there's a man sitting at the king's gate that's a guard, and he says, that couldn't possibly happen under any circumstances. Look at where we are. We're, we're eating our children. We're starving to death. And tomorrow at this time, there's going to be more food than we can possibly imagine. Impossible. If God would open the windows of heaven, that couldn't happen. And many times we doubt the power of God. And it costs us. We fail the test. And God doesn't do the miracles that he wants to do for us because we don't believe in him. And the Bible says Jesus didn't do many miracles in Samaria because they didn't believe him when Jesus was there. So they didn't learn the lesson earlier and they haven't learned the lesson in the New Testament they just didn't believe that God had much power. Do you? This story is here for two reasons. Number one, I do believe it's for you and I to say, I know what the Lord can do. I know that he'll do it. And if I trust him, he'll take care of me. Because he promises that. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things, I'll provide for you. But you and I want to get the things ourselves. We want to get our own stuff and hold it. 
And the Lord says, if you put me first, I'll give it to you. I'll provide it for you. You see, uh, the Lord's plan is you put him first, you trust him, and you do what you're supposed to do. We live right, and we, we work hard, and the Lord says, I'll bless you. But you don't work hard to get to have. We work hard to get to give and to be a blessing. That's the second part of this lesson. The first part is we need to learn to trust him. Why is it that Peter jumped out of the boat and he was walking on the water in the middle of the storm? You read it. He was walking on the water, but he took his eyes off of Christ and began to sink. We take our eyes off of the Lord and the power that he has, and we begin to sink. We begin to fail the test. But what happened? The Bible says that he said, um, Peter jumped out of the boat, was going to walk to Jesus. He's a great way off. And immediately he said, Lord, save me. And he grabbed him by the hand. Jesus made the distance, a great distance to him like that. Because he loves to take care of us. But my what he could do, Peter could have been the only person to ever live that walked on water. But he took his eyes off the Lord and put it on the storm. And that's what we do. We take our eyes off the Lord. We start skipping church. We start skipping time with the Lord daily. Uh, you know, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6 that the Lord says, I want you to go into your closet, your prayer closet, and close the door and talk to me. And he says, I'll reward you openly so that nobody knows how you got what you got, but I gave it to you. And so we don't go to that prayer closet every day. We don't go and trust the Lord every day. And we are missing the blessings of God in so many ways. And I'm not talking about just dollars and cents. I'm talking about the peace of God that we miss when we're facing a test and walking through a storm. I'm talking about the, the power of God in our lives when we get down to pray. Like when we got a chance to pray for Nick Adams and, and the test comes back and says, I can't find any cancer. Stage four like that? That doesn't happen. I have 20 people on my prayer list that have cancer, have had cancer. And I am so thankful they're all still cancer-free. I can't explain it to you except one way, that the Lord is answering my prayers and yours as we pray for people. There are people in my prayer that have had brain cancer twice. You're not supposed to live 10, 15 years after that. The Lord can do what he wants to do if you and I will learn to trust him. But we don't go into that prayer closet and close the door and say, Lord, I need you. I know what you can do, and I trust you. And as a result, we're like these people right here. So the city is, they're, they're eating their children. They're, there's not one mention in second. Kings chapter 7 of any prayer. Nobody prayed. That is beyond me. But nobody the Bible mentioned ever prayed. But God said, I'm going to deliver it for my own sake. And because I love these people. And because Elisha prayed and asked me, and I'm going to do it. 
So you'll notice Elisha says about tomorrow, about this time, you know, bread's going to be normal price. Flour's going to be normal price. And the guy sitting there at the, at the gate said, that's impossible. The Lord made windows of heaven. It couldn't possibly be happening. So he didn't believe. The city didn't believe. Well, there are some lepers. Now, if you'll notice, if you would, uh, look in verse number 1 of chapter 7, 2 Kings 7, 1. Elisha said, hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, tomorrow about this time a measure of fine flour will be sold for a shekel. Uh, less than a penny, it'll be sold for nothing. And two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria, right here, tomorrow. Then a Lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the, the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be. That is impossible. And folks today, don't you believe anything is impossible for the king of kings? You can't believe that. If you do, you're going to miss a lot of blessings in life. You're going to miss seeing the God of heaven work in your behalf. And so many of us as Christians are missing that privilege and failing our exams. And the Lord says, why won't you trust me? He looks at his disciples. How many of his disciples forsook him and fled when he told them what was going to happen, all of them. You know why? That's us. Our nature is distrust. Our nature is we don't believe. And I want to encourage you today to take a little time and go to your prayer closet and close the door and challenge the Lord and say, Lord, could I talk to you for a minute? Would you show yourself mighty in this area or this area or this area? And he says, prove me. That's what he said. Prove me now herewith if I want to open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. He does challenge us. Now, so you'll notice if you would look now in verse number three. And there were four leprous men at the entering end of the gate. And they said one to another, why sit we here until we die? So they're sitting outside the gate. And keep in mind, they're lepers, so they can't be around people. Remember, a leper, everybody's afraid they're going to get the leprosy from a very contagious disease. So if they were leper, they stayed together and they stayed outside the city. They weren't allowed inside the city. So they're outside the city, and, and so they begin to talk to each other. Notice what the discussion was in verse number 4. If we say we will enter into the city and, and the famine's in there, well, they're, they're going to kill us. We're going to die in there because there's no food. And we shall die there. And if we sit still here, we die also. Now, that is a predicament most people are not in this room. If I go there, I die. If I stay here, I die. Notice, now therefore come and let us fall into the host of the Syrian. If they save us alive, we shall live. If they kill us, we shall but die. They're out of options. And maybe this morning you're out of some options. Maybe there's some burdens in your heart. You're facing some difficulties and you're just out of options. Could I encourage you? Go to that little room. Close the door. Get on your knees and say, Lord, could I talk with you? Well, these men are not spiritual men, but they're men of common sense. 
So they said, let's go throw ourselves onto the Syrians. So they get together, four of them, they start walking, they start getting close to the uh, Syrian army's camp. And the Lord himself said, I'm going to take care of this, but I'm going to do it in a miraculous way. I'm going to do it with a rumor. Now, rumors are very powerful things. They can ruin people's testimonies. Rumors can encourage people, even with something that's not true. Well, the Lord noticed what happens in verse number 6. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. So what God does is he gets the angels to go in and say, okay, I want you guys to sound like a big army. And so the angels go in there, they sound like a big army, and the Syrians think, oh my goodness. Notice what he says. Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the kings of the Hittites. And the kings of the Hittites had chariots and horses and their great fighting machine. And the kings of the Egyptians to come up upon us, they began to dream wrongly that they've hired the Hittites and they've hired the Egyptians because that's the only group that can sound like that. You know what I think the old devil does to us? Sometimes he puts on our heart and says, you know, gives us suggestions of things that strike fear in a heart, just like here. Only this time God is using their own fears because they have no trust in the Lord. And so they start running for their lives. And notice what happens. Verse 7, wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight. They fled in the night, uh, the, 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 the shining of the moon, and left their tents and their horses and their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. Now, only the Lord could strike fear into somebody's heart like that, but they're running for their lives. So now, keep in mind, here are the four lepers. They go into, they go into the village. Camp. Hello? Nobody there. Now, Great news. The city's not going to die. But you know what our first inclination is when blessings come our way? Take care of me and mine. We don't, our first thought is, wow, I got a lot to share. Notice what happens. Verse 8, and when these lepers came to the utmost part of the camp, they went into one tent, did eat and drink, and carried thence silver and gold and raiment, and went and hid it, and came again, and entered into another tent, and carried thence also, and went and hid it. They're racking it up. They're going into a tent. There's some fried chicken. They're grabbing that. There's some gold and some silver. He left his purse right there. He left his wallet right there, and he grabbed it. Then they take what they're doing. They're hiding it. Why? So it's just for them. Well, the second part of this story is, why do you and I hide the blessings of God? Why is it we don't share it with others? Well, notice what happens. Verse 9, then they said one to another. One leper looks at the other guy. He's got a chicken wing or he's got a turkey leg in his mouth and his hand, and he's got a wedge of gold in his hand, and he's got a place over there where he stored a lot more, and he says, wait just a minute. We're eating like kings, 
and the city starving. You know what they said? We're not doing the right thing. I want you to understand this this morning. If you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you're eating like a king spiritually. But world, the world around you that does not know the Lord, they're dying. That's the reason I urge you to share the gospel and track, to be a witness, to live right, so that your works are a light to the world, so that you're good to people that are not necessarily good to you, so that you can be a light to them. These lepers said, wait a minute, we're not doing the right thing here. Notice what happens. Verse 9, we do not well. This day is a day of good tidings. And today is a day of good tidings. Jesus died on the cross for us. He used that cross to pay our debt of sin. It's a great story, but the world doesn't know it. So when you and I amass all of our wealth, that's part of the reason you give to missions, so we can send a missionary to Zimbabwe to tell people that don't know about Christ. When we take all of our money and use it for ourselves, we do not well. When we take all of our time and use it for work and entertainment, and we don't use it to pray for our neighbor, to pray for somebody at work, they will never know. But God wants to use you and I to reach the world. Well, Pastor, I, I, I'm not very good at speaking. You don't have to say one word. There are thousands of people every year that get saved, trust Christ, their name's written in the book of life because somebody left a little brochure and they were desperate. They were like these people in Samaria. They had we're going to die here. I'm going to die there. I'm just desperate. And they pull up a track and they read it and say, God loves me. You can invite somebody to come to church with you. Folks, we do not well when we spend our resources and our time all on us. So these lepers said, notice what happens in verse 9. This day is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. Is that not what Christians do today? If we're not careful, if you're on your way to heaven, if you've trusted Christ as Savior, are you holding your peace? Notice what he says. If we tarry till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. They knew it wasn't the right thing to hoard all this food and wealth that they had. They knew it wasn't right because the city was starving. We know a world is on its way to hell. We've got to do something to help them. Everybody here can pray. If you say, Pastor, I don't know that I'm going to heaven this morning. I'd like to know. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. You can come this morning right down here. I'll get someone to take a Bible and show you in five minutes how you can know you're on your way to heaven because of what Jesus Christ has already done for you. But it's your choice. I can't make you do what's right. So notice what happens. They go back in and, and notice this. 
that we may go and tell the king's household. Verse 10. So they came and called unto the porter of the city, and they told him, saying, We come to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there was no man there, neither voice of man, but horses tied and asses tied, and the tents were as they were. And he called the porters, and they told it in the king's house. And the king rose in the night and said unto his servants, I will now show you what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we be hungry, therefore are they gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the field. Didn't believe it. God couldn't take care of us. And let me explain this to you. Most of the world does not believe that Jesus died for them. But it still doesn't mean we don't tell them. We don't pray for them. We don't love them. We don't live right before them. Folks, the world is starving to death. Somebody's got to love them. Somebody's got to tell them the great news. This is a day of great tidings. Folks, if they're saved, there are Christians that are struggling. And last week we spoke of Hebrews. He says, a new and living way. There are Christians, and maybe you're here today, and you're struggling, and your joy is gone. It doesn't have to be that way. That's what revival is for. You come to the revival and let the Holy Spirit revive your heart and let you see that you're compassed about with angels. And the Lord says, I love you. I've got your back. Would you trust me? This morning I just want you to learn that the Lord loves you, and will you trust him? If you're his child. And if you're not, would you come and trust him? And if you're his child, who is it you're praying for? I heard this morning someone say, our two grandchildren were saved this week. Are you praying for your grandchildren to get saved? Are you praying for your children to get saved? Are you praying for your wife or your husband to get saved? Notice if you would, in verse number 14, they took therefore two chariot horses, and the king sent after the host of the Syrians, say, Come and see. And they went after them under the Jordan, and lo, all the way was full of garments and vessels with the Syrian and cast away in their haste. And the messenger returned and told the king. And the people went out and spoiled the tent of the Syrians. So a measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord." But the man that was sitting at the gate got trampled because of the, the, the wild frenzy that everybody went out. He never saw it. You know, the Lord wants you and I to care about people. My father was a Christian. I thank the Lord almost every day that my father and mother had me in church the morning the Lord convicted me. And I walked forward in church and trusted Christ as Savior. I went to a little back room behind the Baptist and got on my knees and trusted Christ as Savior. A man took a Bible, and I don't even know the man's name. But he showed me how I could know, go to heaven. And I got it settled, and it's been 56 years, and I haven't worried one day about dying and going to hell. But I do have a responsibility since that day when I got off my knees to make sure I tell the good news to other people. Oh, I don't go around being a, 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 a foolish man. I, I, I don't stand on a street corner and, and, and scream and yell at people. All I'm trying to say to you is that I can live right. I can let people see a testimony that's different. I can try to do what is right in front of the world, and so can you. I remember praying for my dad's uncle. 
my dad's brother, my uncle. I remember seeing him one time when I was five years old. But I remember his language was words I'd never heard before in every sentence. He had the most filthy mouth of anybody I'd ever heard. I was five years old. I can remember this sentence and that sentence. And his wife saying, hey, honey, there's people in the room. That sentence and that sentence. He didn't care. And my dad would say to me, son, pray for my, my brother to be saved. And I remember praying, Lord, please, would you save him? And I think we prayed collectively for 50-something years for him to get saved. Now, he didn't deserve to be saved. He was a sinner's sinner. But it was my responsibility as a nephew, as a Christian, to say, Lord, here's my uncle. Because he's not trying. And there's people that you have the Lord placed on your heart. Lord, here's my uncle. Lord, here's my aunt. Lord, here's my neighbor. Lord, here, here's my son. Here's my daughter. We have great news. We do not well. And so, my dad, you know the story. One day I went home. He was packing up the car. He left and never came home. With other women, my dad's a Christian. But his brother said, yeah, that's a Christian. That's what Christians are like. I said, my uncle never gets saved now. The light was put out because of the way my dad lived. But I kept praying. My mother kept praying. Other people kept praying. And then my dad, before he died, came up to me and said, son, you know what happened? Somebody, my brother was in the hospital. He's dying on his deathbed. And somebody, I don't know who it was, came to his room and said, Mr. Pittman, could I share with you how you could go to heaven? He said, yes. It took 50 years to soften his heart. Never give up. Because there's a God in heaven that can do miracles. He prayed and trust Christ, and my dad came to me in tears. I said, my brother trusted Christ, and he's gone. Ernie, Nina's father, she prayed for, he was 93. He trusted Christ one week before he died. Never give up. We do not well when we take our own time and spend it all on us. Use your knees and your heart and plead for the souls of others. Use your feet and your mouth and bring light to people at work, to people in your neighborhood. Do what is right. The Lord saved you to be a light. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And for with all of your heart, let your children see the light as you live in the home. Folks, 
February is family month. The number one reason why children don't follow the Lord from their parents is because the parents put out the light. They don't live right. They lose their temper. They curse each other. They don't do the right thing in front of their children. And as a result, the children think their God is powerless, is not worth serving. Today, all of us, we do not well if we don't use our resources to reach other people, to help other people, to be a blessing to other people. God didn't give you all your money to waste all on yourself, but to invest in the lives of others. Today, your time, will you do well for the souls of others? Let's bow our heads for a prayer this morning. Are we doing well? I want to encourage you. Maybe we got a revival upcoming. Lord, I want to go faithfully. I'm going to go to church faithfully. I want the Lord to speak to my heart. I want to encourage you to do that. Commit to the Lord today. You're going to do well. Father, I pray that you'd speak to hearts this morning. Lord, help us to do well with our time, whatever monies you've given to us. Lord, you've given it to us to take care of ourselves, but Lord, to be a blessing to others. Maybe a meal with someone that's hurting in the neighborhood. Lord, just please help us to be a blessing to other people so that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. Lord, help us to do what the four lepers did. They did well. Lord, speak to hearts today as only you can. In your name we pray.